0: Good morning and welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com, and on the NSN app around the world. So we're talking Yehuda Whites, a partner at Wild God's and Manjis, a pro bono litigator on behalf of multiple a associations, associations uh, and Corporations that operate and put up a Aruvin around the metropolitan area. These cases seem to be concentrated in New York and New Jersey for various reasons. We've kind of covered and we don't have to get beyond that. But one thing I wanna uh I guess talk about is with regards specifically to the Hamptons case. I guess that's one that we're we are, you know, I'm most familiar with what uh you with your involvement in the work there. Although, you know, I definitely uh know a lot about some of the uh, Rockland County, uh, different uh, religious, uh, which now bleed bleeded over into Bergen County, um, but uh, as you know, working for the state, that was something that I had involvement in in some of those religious land use cases. But uh, one thing, I guess, to to with regard to some of the differences between the AROV associations, meaning the the group, I mean, I think people have to understand out there that these are corporations that exist for the purpose of it's. I mean, sometimes you have individual litigants, or you have a corporate litigant. I mean, maybe you can explain that for a second. But also, some of them made this strategic decision to wait to put up the AROV until they had approval. Some put it up anyway and then litigated it. I mean, to the extent that that's right. I mean, you had certain AROVs that went up, and then there was litigation after the AROV was up uh, in certain cases. So, can you talk about the differences, you know, between and how how that might affect? the overall, well, obviously you won in every case, but how, how might that affect the way things transpire?
1: Right. Okay. So there's, so step one is, is you need to have a license from the pole, um, owners in order to put up the lackeys in the first place. Anyone who's putting up lackeys on poles without a license from whichever the utility is at the time is doing the wrong thing and should not be doing that. And those should come down. Okay. So um the issue becomes what other approvals do you need? okay And sometimes people come to us and they say, okay, well, I have the licenses. Do I need anything else? And we do some research and we say no, you don't need anything else because you know the village code in effect in that place doesn't have anything, or it could be that the village code does have something. So more often than not, there's not something that would actually ban an era for all the obvious reasons that, that, that would that would that would, um, that would be the case. And, and as a general matter, then Eruf can go up. Lachis can go up once you have licenses from the utility for all the poles that you need. Sometimes, um, the utilities, depending on which one it is, want you to go and get blessing from the town anyway. Um, and then sometimes people want the you know proclamation to come from the town. So, um, there is a religious obligation, and I don't t- I'm not trying to be a rabbi here. The religious obligation to have for shoes right, to have permission to put up the the eruv, and the permission comes from many, many places. And the reality is, while in most in, in, uh, instances where there's an eruv that is, you know, going up with um, without any controversy, it's the mayor or the local, you know, uh, village clerk or something like that. And that's what happens in most instances. There are times when a village refuses and sometimes you get from somebody else. For example, Tanafly, it came from the borough executive of Bergen County. Um, in the Hamptons, I'm not allowed to say who it came from, but it came from someone. It came from two, two different people, actually. But it was not the village of West Hampton Beach. Now, initially, um, the people in the community out there went to the village of West Hampton Beach and tried to get um, tried to get approval in that manner, and it was rejected. It wasn't. They voted to not even put it on on the agenda. Um, so there, they had approval. Um, they had um, lachis. Uh, they had they had licenses. They had what they needed religiously, and they were ready to go. And then the towns. Send, issued stop work orders and letters, and the community there decided that it was too much risk in light of all of that to try to put them up anyway. Um, and, and then and they went through the litigation many years without having an error, uh, probably six years without having an error. And that in some ways makes the case a little bit more difficult because you're not having some, a right that people were already enjoying was being taken away. In Upper Saddle River, by contrast, Orange and Rockland, and I think Verizon at the time, had given licenses. Lechies went up. People were enjoying it. And then Upper Saddle River said, we're taking them down. And when they said that, it was on a Monday or Tuesday. And we are able to get to court by Friday and and ask for a TRO um, to stop. And I actually remember I was in Los Angeles and I flew on the red eye Thursday night and I went right to court on Friday morning and it was on uh, CBS news. And in any event, they caved right away and they, and they said, okay, we're not going to take them down instead. You know, we're going to allow them to stay up. Um, and, in a, and, and so the different dynamic really is you have to have those licenses. And if it's already up and someone's trying to take it down, it makes them look frankly quite bad. Um, um, and, it's a little more difficult if it's, if it's, if it's not yet up, but if you can't do it, you can't do it.
0: So can you contrast the posture of the attorney general in New Jersey with the attorney general in New York and how they approach that and maybe even, you know, federal authorities, right? I mean, I, I think one thing, you know, I had highlighted in, To you in the past was that there was multiple interventions from the United States Justice Department with regard to Airmont and their uh ongoing discrimination in their law and their zoning laws against the Orthodox community, but they never really took an active uh stance on the A itself, even though it's part of that same ARUV, or at least connected to the same ARUV. That's also was litigated in Northern New Jersey, right across the border where Airmont is actually right. at the border. So, you know, is that intervention, I'm sure from a cost perspective, it could be helpful to have the government on your side or litigating alongside. I don't know if it makes a difference to Wild Gotchel. It might make a difference to the litigants. But, you know, where, where does that come in? Where does that piece come in with regard to your efforts and the efforts of the plaintiffs?
1: Yeah. So... Um... You know, like I said, because we know we're right, we always try to have the government come in on our side. There are some people who believe that the government coming in um, could make it more difficult to settle. Um, if you're if you're you're willing to settle for something, but the government wants something more, I've heard of that in other instances. Um, the the federal the part of the DOJ that gets involved in these cases is really um, involved in. RELUPA, which is the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, and they're focused on making sure especially the land use part is properly interpreted in their view. And that's why you would see them get involved more in a land use matter, like a, like a shul or a school or, or other things like that. Um, with us, they were never really fully bought into our argument that the license to have lechis on poles is a protectable RELUPA right. That being said, throughout multiple administrations, Democrat and Republican, you know, people always took our calls, always told us that they supported us, but and that they were considering coming into the case, but they never sort of did. Now, whether they didn't because they knew we had it covered, could be, right? I'm not saying that's not, that, that, but that could be. Um, as to New York... Um, there is a civil rights division I had you know made various audiences with them over time in these different matters to the extent that they're in New York and I know that there are cases that they pursued very aggressively um, and um, and you know and, and have done a great job on it They were not I would say interested in coming into the cases that we were in I suspect it probably has something to do with the fact that we were already in it and therefore they didn't need to dedicate the resources to those cases because maybe they would dedicate them to other ones, but I don't know for sure. What I can tell you for sure though, is that the department of civil rights in the New Jersey attorney's general office never had that problem. Um, in the Bergen cases with, um uh, Mawa, Upper Saddle River and Montvale, they were, um, I mean, they sued Mawa, right? Chris right. Perino, the attorney general there, who's now alone, and, and made
0: very public statements about it
1: very public statement I'm looking right now on my other screen at the cover of the star Ledger which says the Township council in Mawa heard the angry fear-driven voices of bigotry and acted to appease those voices and then he he, he talked he, he likened it to 1950s era white flight um, and uh, subordinates who tried to keep African Americans from moving into their neighborhoods and 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 in other matters I know that even ones that um, I not involved in, um, they've continued to be involved and they've been a, um, I mean, it was, it was very helpful. I mean, after the New Jersey attorney general sued Malwa, those cases ended very quickly. Um, so that was, uh, it, it matters. Um, and I think that it, it matters greatly. And I think that our governments should be focused on discrimination of, of, of Orthodox Jews you know, as they are of others. I mean, there's there's no question that when you're talking about an Eruv, okay, there are other things you can have, maybe a debate about about things, about rules, about the size of plots and things like that. But with an Eruv, there is absolutely no justification whatsoever for someone to not want an Eruv other than bigotry. It's so clear, like it's so... It, there, there, there can't be any other argument. You can't say it's traffic, it's aesthetics. You know, those might be real arguments if you want to say that you can't have you know a, a mega shul in the middle of a neighborhood where there's no nothing more than three-bedroom houses. Maybe, right? Maybe that's a, maybe that's something you talk about. Um, or in the you know, but but there is no argument whatsoever that with a neighborhood that it's anything other than bigotry.
0: Okay, so that's a great segue for uh, you know, the question I've been waiting to ask you is Jon Stewart, The Daily Show, March 23rd of 2011, 11 years ago, a incredible mock you interview of various people in West Hampton Beach who, I mean, incredibly enough, totally bought into it and just decided to say whatever they said. How helpful was Jon Stewart to your cause?
1: So Jon Stewart, um, I think, was helpful in, in the sense of bringing things uh, to the people easier. I don't think it had any impact on any of the judges. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure whether the judges actually watched it or not. It made it very, very easy um, to explain to explain things to people. It also made them look obviously foolish and like bigots, which they were. Um, we already thought that we were able to show that um, but it but it, it made it easier I'm not sure it had any impact on the court but but it did there I remember actually I was on a plane coming back from uh, I don't think I ever said this publicly but I was on a plane coming back from Los Angeles once um, on a United flight which and John Stewart was there and um, I said to him I introduced myself and I said you know um, I really liked your piece on, 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 uh, you know, the thin Jew line, this is what it's called in the ear thing. And he said, I said, Oh, I'm one of the lawyers in the ear of case. I said, and he looked at me. He's like, he was like, you know, a little bit taken aback. Wasn't sure. I said, on the side of the ear of people, he said, and then he had a big, (laughs) big sigh of relief. And then we talked about it for a few minutes and, uh, we all each went our separate ways, but he, he remembered that piece very clearly and he was proud of it. And, um, uh, it was a, a nice
0: little story. Well, it was kind of, I think the last, I mean, first of all, the, the whole association of the Jewish people for the betterment of West Hampton beach. And then that became the Jewish people uh, opposed to the Aruv. And then they had this, uh, you know, this wonderful uh, woman who, uh, you know, said at the end, if you were Orthodox, know not, know that not every place is for you or something uh, along those lines. Um but I want to I want to get to a final question for for you, Yehuda, because I I want to be mindful of your time here. And I guess it's a kind of a, if you if you have time to be retrospective, at this point, um, not just you but even the your opponents. Uh, I know that after the Tenefly case, a couple articles were written about how you know they did not have the feared influx of uh, Hasidic and other um, over being overrun by Jews at. Despite the fact that that was there. In fact, I think, you know, one or two of the trustees at the time, and I think these these lawsuits cost millions of dollars in public dollars uh, for, for the various uh, municipalities that litigated them. So I think taxpayers should be rightly outraged by that. Um, but you know some of the quotes on on their part have you know we're like yeah we we messed this up we never should have done this is that is that the sense you get i don't know if the legal colleagues you know have a beer afterward and they talk about these things retrospectively but uh, what what do the opponents say after these things have you know in looking back on this litigation
1: right well the 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 main lawyer for tenafly also represented upper saddle river in um in in that case later on so that it didn't change anything for him um but you know it's i I think it's i think you'd get those kind of comments not necessarily from the lawyers but actually from the from the municipalities and what i would tell you is that in each of these instances that i talked about there was cooperation that had to happen subsequently and and for the most part, the vast majority is actually was completely fine. A lot of the people who were leading these fights got voted out and the new people that came in realized that this was not something worth fighting for. And as long as, you know, the air associations followed, you know, the rules about closing roads and when you're allowed to, you know, have traffic and you got to wear the jackets, then they're totally fine with it. And I've been in meetings, in municipalities where they've, um, where, you know, there was a possibility that they were going to try to undo one of the settlement agreements, try to, you know, have some kind of a problem with it. And it, 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 really never happened. Um, so I think, I think people realize, um, that, that for this particular type of debate, it was a mistake. Um, and, and not only, did their neighborhoods not change? But even if they did, that doesn't matter. And that's un-American anyway, right? Those people should be allowed to live wherever they want to live in this country. And if they feel that they need, you know, little plastic sticks on poles in order to fulfill their religion and it doesn't harm anybody, they should be allowed to do that. And um, we've had very, you know, positive experiences with, with the subsequent people, you know, and when I say we, I mean, not just me, but also the, the people in the area of associations in each of these, these areas. And, um, I think people realize this was, uh, this was a mistake.
0: And how much money was, how much money was spent? I mean, I guess pro bono, but how much money did this litigation cost, you know, in total? I mean, obviously I don't think it's entirely over, but what is the estimate of the cost of litigation?
1: Well, I mean, the, I, I can tell you that the Hamptons case, while had $5 million of fees donated, okay? Um, what the municipalities paid from their own budgets, I'm not sure. I know that some of them were, you know, three different municipalities, and I know for certain that at least some of them were were paid by insurance companies. I know that in the three towns in Upper Saddle River, Maui and Montville, you know, the Certainly, Monville didn't want to spend a lot of money, and they were, you know, they gave in pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a huge amount of money. Now, look, I'll tell you a, a quick story after that. So there were two follow on towns, really, that wanted to try to pass new laws to, to basically regulate Ereuben. And I went to each of them and I said, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to win. You're gonna pay your fees and you're gonna pay my fees. Do you really wanna do that? And and they, they went away. Yeah, well and that's where it should go.
0: Especially they, they probably know what you know that your fees are expensive. You're not just a regular you're not just a regular guy. Uh, yeah. I, I think yeah. I, you know, I, I just... And to be clear, we
1: didn't to be clear, in the Hamptons we never took a penny from any of those municipalities. And to me, that's one of the powers I think that we have in doing these things pro bono because we're able to get what the people want right, and what the communities need and not be tied up in having to also get paid. And I always say to people, I said, well, you know, do you want a lawsuit? Do you want an Arab? Do you want a lawsuit? Do you want a shul? And by not requiring that these municipalities pay us money, um, it makes it easier, frankly, for them to say, okay, and I'm all for that because that's what we're looking for.
0: Right. Okay. Now, final, final question for you is I, I, I got to ask, you know, from a looking, looking forward, Uh, you know, our community, uh, there's a lot that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, America has been very kind to the Jewish community and to the Orthodox community, incredibly kind. I mean, it's just a wonderful Uh, and the law has been incredibly protective. But here we see an issue where we have been vulnerable to some degree. And uh, to what extent do I know people take a lot for granted when it comes to public policy and uh, in general and, you know, if they only knew some of the threats out there. But from a how how much do people really uh, have to have to appreciate the work that I not and you can feel free to plug yourself and your colleagues and the things but how much do people should people in the audience I mean I could say it myself but have to appreciate the work that goes on around this public policy litigation that various organizations and firms and other lawyers out there are doing on a daily basis to protect the rights of the Jewish and the Orthodox community.
1: Yeah. I mean look I honestly my my part of this I've been very proud of it but it's a very, very small portion and it affects, you know, I guess Certain communities very significantly, but others, you know, um, um, not at all. The people who have done work over the years, going back even almost probably forty, fifty years, about around people being able to, to employment things and Chavez. You know, those things affect every single one of us. You know, it used to be, you know, the law is now very favorable on that, but it wasn't always so. And it wasn't always so easy. So there were a lot of people over a lot of time that did a lot of work to make sure that, you know, it's it's we can all, you know, not work on Shabbos and not have any risk. My grandfather got fired every week from his job. Um, because he he wanted to keep Shabbos. And, and we're all the beneficiaries of all that work over time. Um, and that's just one example. I mean, I have, it, hopefully this doesn't impact virtually anyone, but there are people who are litigating about kosher food in prisons. Um, there's people litigating about being able to wear kippahs, like like Shabbos candles. Um, there's, there's, as you know, litigation over um, certain towns where they're trying to create laws in order to keep Orthodox Jews out. Now, again, like you said, the as a general matter, America has been great. And as a general matter, the, um, the federal law and even state laws, you know when you look at the bigger, bigger groups, have been incredibly favorable, and people should be very, very, very appreciative. But every now and then, you get people in a small town or in a small co-op or other smaller types of institutions who try to take advantage of things and try to make rules so that Orthodox and other observant Jews can't live in their neighborhoods. And people need to, people need to, to, to step up and fight. it. And um, there've been lots and lots of fights in the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years. And, and, and we're all the beneficiaries of that. We should all be grateful.
0: Okay, Yehuda Buckwhite, a partner while Gotchel and Manji is together with his partner, retired partner, Bob Sugarman, took on pro bono multiple cases in New York and New Jersey regarding Erevin. Uh, we, We all who live in the listening area and around the country need to be very grateful to them for protecting the rights of the Jewish community. And uh, so I thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for this education on this really important issue. Nobody should take it for granted. Living within an era of you hold to the air, if you don't hold to the air of the fact that it's there is really, really important for all of us. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, my pleasure, Michael.
0: And that's it for this week here on Spin Class here on the nahum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week. <laughs>